0: Hello everyone, welcome to this episode of the Game Pod. I, I'm focused. I am your um, host, uh, Scott, and with me, as always, is Hilka. How are you today, Hilka?
1: I'm doing great. It's very cold. I turned off my heating so it wouldn't show up on the recording. Uh, <laughs> I've got a jacket yeah. on and socks. Don't worry, I'll be fine. Okay, okay. but uh, up- <laughs> I'm in the sense you're, of you're this- experiencing the opposite. I, I, I imagine.
0: Yes, I, it was sort of the opposite, but sort of the same, same sort of circumstances, it's sort of, yes, it is very warm, I've actually had to, I've turned the fan, ceiling fan off, um, and uh, yeah, I am somewhat decent, but I wouldn't say, you know, fully, you know, um, I'm not in, obviously not in a jacket, uh, very loose fitting clothing at the moment, um, so definitely once I, this recording is done, I'll be going back downstairs and putting on the air conditioning.
1: Good call. I the, the room I record in has like a really, really big window on one side. And that side is, of course, where the afternoon sun comes in. So a couple of years ago, I finally bit the bullet and got really good, like heat blocking curtains because there were a couple summers here where I was like, I am like sticking to my computer chair. Because it was so warm. Yeah, that was gross. I also have a much better computer chair now. <laughs> or office chair is, I think, the the correct word for that. Eggs,
0: yeah, same. It's not, it's not one of those gamer chairs.
1: God, That's, no. No. I, I need lumbar support. Ooh. Same here.
0: Same here. Um... Yeah, I'm, well, with my recording, you know, it's sort of, um, I don't have to deal with the sun because I'm actually recording at the moment now. It's, um, half past eight in the, in the evening where I am. So don't, nice. don't, don't, don't,
1: Although yeah. I, I've heard from someone from Perth who a couple days ago was like, it's been dark for like two hours and it's still 34 degrees outside Celsius, which is, I. Uh, that that is one part of Australia I do not envy. Yeah, it's at the moment now like I, I'm feeling the heat, but that's because
0: I don't have the ceiling fan on. Once I actually put the ceiling fan on, it'll actually it'll it will actually cool down. But it'll there'll be a time like in the next couple of weeks where that won't be that uh, that will be an issue because it, it just it would still it's just blowing hot air around.
1: I, I believe that's. Colloquially referred to as second summer, when like you you think you had like a couple days of, oh it's actually quite nice now, and then summer comes back with a vengeance, like off the top rope with a steel chair, and like, hey, gamers, how do you feel about forty two degrees Celsius? And everyone's like, oh, can we not? And Australia's like, no. And if you go swimming you'll encounter box jellyfish and die
0: ah oh, you just gotta make sure you you gotta watch out for them that's all <laughs> yeah ah so let's go ahead and let's talk about what we've played So, um, sort of uh, for me, um, this month's sort of been the month of remasters, uh, you might say. So, I've sort of uh, put some time into the Metal Gear Solid Master Collection. Um, this was released on um, all major consoles, um, PC. I've played this on the Switch. We um, know Switch has sort of had an issue where the original Metal Gear well not well, it sort of was but the the Metal Gear Solid 2 and 3 because this is what it based off this Metal Gear Solid 2 and 3 HD collections which were originally done for the Xbox 360 and PS3 Metal Gear Solid 2 and 3 were 60 frames per second and every and for this current Master Collection everywhere else 60 frames per second but for the Switch they've actually capped this at um at thirty frames per second uh, for Metal Gear Solid two,
1: two and Three.
0: Um, That's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. It. I'm not too sure how they're going to go. Hopefully, maybe they work out how to fix this in the future. I will say, I've actually been, um, I've been today, I've been playing uh, and about to finish off uh, Metal Gear Solid Two. Um, bit odd, bit interesting with that because. Um, Actually, what I'll do, I'll get into. I've, start, I've started off um, playing. Um, I was originally going to start playing like the whole uh, Metal Gear One and Two on the because on the MSX because that's what it originally comes with. Uh, they were originally with the Metal Gear Solid Three HD Collection. Uh, this one actually also includes the Nintendo, um, the original NES uh, Metal Gear game and the Metal Gear Two. But he stakes revenge, uh, which is sort I of think a said, Yeah. Yeah.
1: Although I did read recently that, like, there's technically two Metal Gear twos. Yes. Because there was one where they were like, where Kojima was like, I don't want to make another Metal Gear game. And Konami said, OK. And so they made another Metal Gear game. And <laughs> Kojima played it. And he was like, I need to make more Metal Gear games because this was bad. Yes.
0: Yes, I haven't actually, um, I do, rem- I haven't really played the original NES one. Uh, I do remember it's just awful. does not play well. Um, but I've, I've, so I've does gonna- this
1: collection have both of them then? Yes, it does.
0: Uh, it's got, it's got those collections, it's got a ton of, um, sort of collectible uh, sort of like information, you know, um, storyboard, art, uh, music, uh, sort of concept art. Uh, even manuals is basically saying you know how the Metal Gear Solid, Solid series progress. Um, so that's cool. It's sort of like it's like really into like the whole that in that aspect. It's into it's really good of a remaster uh, like a like a collection. Uh but the me- remastering side. Um, bit of controversy because obviously with the Switch version uh, with the Metal Gear Solid Two and Three, but with the original game, um, they've included the original. PlayStation version um which um people sort of more so pine for the Oh, it's sort of a debate you know do you you know the Metal Gear Solid Twin Snakes uh, that was released on the ga- GameCube uh, have you did you have you ever played that one waiting in metal gear uh,
1: my entire history with the metal gear solid series I guess, Metal Gear series is I played the 3DS version of Metal Gear Solid 3 uh, and I played Ground Zeroes. I think that's it. Uh, (laughs) That's it. So I was... I I think we we talked about this when these were announced at not E3. At like, I'm, I'm really... Like, I I have the remasters, which are sold individually on Steam, um, like on my Steam wishlist. I'm definitely going to pick them up in the near future, hopefully. But like, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing all the stuff I missed. And hopefully also that part two, volume two, I guess, of these remasters includes Metal Gear Solid 4, because... I do not own a PlayStation 3 and if you don't own a PlayStation 3 then you can't play that game.
0: I've actually got that on the I haven't actually got I I haven't got my PS3 up and working at the moment. It's missing a hard drive. But I do have it on the on its digital store so hopefully it doesn't the store doesn't close down soon. Um but I could theoretically go up and get it in again. Um, so I,
1: I just have to buy a plane ticket to Australia. <laughs> I'll, I'll Come you over what, to your house. Uh,
0: what, no, we'll, we'll, we'll make it cheaper. I'll just mail, mail my PS3 to you. As I said.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, I think- actually, actually, I've actually got... That's a funny story. Actually, that's reminding me of a funny story because I remember it was a friend of mine um, who... That's right, there was a... I had two friends, I had a friend of mine who got a Sony TV many, many years ago, they got a Sony TV, and with that, it included a PS3, Uh, and what they did, they actually ended up letting me borrow the PS3, and then another friend of mine actually had a copy of Metal Gear Solid 4, so I borrowed their copy of Metal Gear Solid 4 to be able to play that, And that was how I actually played the game. Um, And then a couple years down the track, I ended up um, getting, buying a PS3. I will say this. I ended up getting a PS3. This is when I was actually working. I remember paying about $900 for it. Australian. That was back in the 2010s.
1: Was that... Pre or post PS3 price drop?
0: I th- It was pre because well, it was pre, it was pre um, PS3 Slim because it was a the original. Well, it was well, there's so many mod- models, the fat model, but it was one of the later models of the fat model uh, that did include uh, backwards compatibility with PS2 games.
1: Yeah, that one. That was like the best one to get, right? Mm. Oh yeah, the original because of the backwards compatibility.
0: The original PS, PS3, yeah, the ones that was that's really expensive. Um, but I ended up with with that PS3. I ended up getting Metal Gear Solid Four again and playing that again. Uh, but going back to actually this collection, um, yeah, I so I started off with Metal Gear Solid One. Um, that game has aged. Visually, like visually, I can, ha- I, I, I could handle it. Um, you know, the original P- PlayStation 1, you know, texture at fine, warping visuals, um, you know, coming off as, like 240p. Uh, Snake's that head being like a total of six polygons. Pretty much. Uh, I could look, honestly, I can handle that. It was the way the game controlled because it was, um, the way Metal Gear Solid 2 and 3 work is that like the idea is is that you when you're taking down enemies, you can obviously take them down with your standard weapons, but you also sort of got like a um a tranquilizer gun, which I always use, and they don't have, and they don't have that in the um original PS1 game. So you're trying to actually you try like you try and not try and eliminate enemies, you try and lock, knock them out. But with Metal Gear Solid Two Three, you can just get a trank gun and get him, get him off. Uh, but yeah, PS One, it's sort of um, yeah, you don't have a trank gun, um, and you don't have a um, you because it's a PS One game. It was before, like you, it's yeah, it, it was built with the analog stick in mind. Uh after the Dual Soul came out, but it wasn't um, the analog stick still still acts like a digital. So you can't actually just go ahead and walk up to an enemy and you actually, you're in full pelt uh, running. And so if you're running, if you're running, uh, enemies hear you. If you try and sneak up behind them, you have to sort of make sure they go up in an incline wall and try and head them off there. It can get very tedious sometimes. Um, But no, it's... um, no, so I beat up, I play, That's what the one I first beat played off. Um, it's sort of like people are pining for the Twin Stakes. Um, the one that's GameCube. That one, people, other people seem to think it was a bit too easy because it did introduce a train gun, and sort of the original Metal Gear Solid wasn't really designed for that. Uh, but I would look honestly if they, if the, if the Master Collection, if the, if the second collection were to come out. Uh, we may get a solid and ho- hopefully it may. I would love it to have come up with the Twin Snakes. I don't know how they would go because that was um, Twin Snakes was uh, published by Konami and Nintendo, and developed by Silicon Knights. So I don't know how the rights to those uh went and went and up being. But I mean, you got GoldenEye on the Xbox and the Nintendo Switch, so that was considered impossible many many years ago uh but you know that's possible now so yeah and i've also been um so i've i've played that i've um went on to metal gear solid 2 uh this one's far far more easier to get into um just basically you know full animal control you're able to sneak up an enemies sort of um pick them off with your um I, as I say, use a Trank gun, um, but it's just so much, how much easy, easier to get into. I've, uh, I i do not know. Yeah, basically, I'm at to, I'm at the final, um, I'm at the final boss fight with um, Solidus Snake. It's very oh, the the story in that is very involved, sort of, uh, it's, it's sort of, sort of. A parallel now to what nowadays, you know, with, um, you know, what is considered truth in this internet age, Um, basically going on, you know, digital censorship and, you know, how the flood of information is, uh, you know, is reducing society somehow. Um, it is
1: interesting to look at a game like Metal Gear Solid 2, which came out, on ps2 originally Mm -hmm. so that would have been like what 2007
0: no um it would have been it was i i i know it was before 2001.
1: Metal Gear Solid 2 was before 2001?
0: Yeah like i think it may have been too yeah i'm thinking it's probably it may have been released on 2001 but it's it's very very early
1: but yeah like okay and In that case, looking back even further, like, I still had dial up in 2001. And seeing that the story of a game from, like, 2001 would already be so frustratingly current in 2023 (laughs) is, uh, it is very interesting and it does show a certain amount of foresight from kojima and i assume the rest of the writing team i don't know how many writers it had but like that that is one of the scariest things i can i think you can experience when you write a science fiction story is because especially in science fiction when you're creating problems you know the problem you have to the main characters have to solve you come up with these like wildly awful things that are expansions of what currently happens and then those things start coming true (laughs) that's that's got to be one of the worst feelings like i imagined the worst possible thing i could about this and now it's just what life is like i small side note I I was working on a Monster of the Week um mystery, a tabletop game Monster of the Week, and I was like, I want like an evil haunted video game that spreads on like SD cards. And every like worst version of that I could imagine was either just what Roblox is like now. Oh no. Or Axie Infinity. Oh, God, no. Which was like, come on. That, oh, that's so frustrating. Oh,
0: what a nightmare of Axiom Infinity.
1: Well, it's, it's, it's still running, isn't it? I mean, probably, but yeah. it's probably not profitable for anyone anymore. No. Thank God. God.
0: No. Yes. Thank God. So scummy.
1: So sorry, you were saying about Metal Gear Solid Two.
0: <laughs> yes, well, no, it's just, it's just, it's just scary how, and this is the, the scenario of wh- why this sort of um, and it, it I could not imagine like in this well, in, basically in the Trump era, you know why this would be, this became relevant. Um, you know, it's just sort of I don't know, it's sort of scary, stupid, if that. Sort of makes sense. It's sort of like, it's scary that it sort of became relevant, but it's sort of stupid because it happened in the Trump era. (laughs) But no, it's, um, yeah. Um, but no, it plays, it look, honestly, I was playing it. So I've nearly beaten it. Um, it's, um, runs fairly well it's it's even it's got some instances where it does run at 60 frames per second but i dare say that's probably just because of um the game logic how that operates within those certain scenes uh but most of the time it's just going to be um 30 frames per second
1: were there any other technical issues because i did read some reviews and especially on the technical side they were not super happy all the time is it just the frame rate
0: for me, like the the, the 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 one major issue I had with the Metal Gear Solid One was the input latency. Uh, you can notice it, like even with the thirty frames, thirty FPS on Metal Gear Solid Two, the the input latency was just way down. But I don't know with the Metal Gear Solid One if it's because of the collection, if the emulation is not up to par, or if that's actually what it was. Back on the original playstation it's sort of you just can't really fathom it and there's also another weird instance where if you get the because i'm in australia so i would when i'm downloading I, it's basically it's the european sort of version and the way that it is is that if you play the game as is like just select select it uh, it'll play it at the PAL version, which then goes from 30 frames per second down to 25 frames per second. But modern displays don't do 20, like 50 hertz. So it's sort of running at 25 frames per second in a 60 hertz sort of capsule. And it just you get all problems with that. But apparently what you've got to do, you've actually got to download the North American and Japanese language packs. And that'll enable you to play the North American version. I don't know what they but were thinking. There,
1: do, do you have to like play it in Japanese to get that, or will will just having them downloaded suffice?
0: Just having dim downloaded will, will suffice.
1: I I assume this is just one of those things that like, I mean, it is Konami, so we don't know for sure. There's a lot going on in that company and not a lot of it good, um, allegedly. Uh, but (laughs) this could be one of those things that they tried to figure out and were like, I don't, they just couldn't, you know, it does remind me of classic Bethesda antics that I read about a while ago. Um, you, uh, you've played fallout three, of course. Once or twice, I imagine. Uh. So, the Steam version of Fallout 3, you know, you just download the game, you have different language options. It functions like a video game that you would expect it to. The Windows Store version of Fallout 3 is gigantic. Like, it's such a massive download. Because when you buy it from the Windows Store and download it, you're actually downloading the game, like, five times. One time for each different language the game is in. I don't know if this is still the case, but it was last time I checked a while ago. And, and like, how... Ha- How do you not just have the same file structure you had for the Steam version? I don't know. I'm like the the software side of, of development is something that I know little to nothing about. So it is possible that this is one of those issues that's way more complicated than I think it is. But it is funny that this kind of stuff keeps ha- keeps happening to Bethesda.
0: I do know with the Metal the Metal Gear Solid 1, I do know like they like to there was the original Japanese version and then there was the like a North American version which included some extra things and then the um the Jap then they did a re-release of the Japanese version to include those North American editions and then they released it in the Pal territory which included even more and then the Japanese and North Americans versions get all the stuff in the the power version. I do know they do like to do it that way, uh, so that's probably why they end up just doing it like this. But it is still somewhat annoying. Uh, but yes, um, so what I'll do, I'll, be, I'll after this, I'll probably end up finishing Metal Gear Solid Two, and um, yeah, get straight on to Metal Gear Solid Three.
1: The one that many people consider to be the best one, right?
0: Yes. Yes, especially this um, HD Collection one. Uh, I actually ended up, I did end up doing the um, the 3DS one as well. I quite liked that, especially with the 3D on.
1: Yeah, it was super cool. And I liked mm-hmm. the, uh, apparently the like face paint mechanic was like new for the 3DS one
0: the I think that the, the face paint mechanic uh it was in the original um Metal Gear 3 but I think with the 3ds one it's used the camera so you can make your own
1: oh yeah that was it yeah you could that was wild obviously that they, they, they can't put that in the switch version but
0: uh <laughs> no, well this is the this is the the 3d HD collection so. You know, bare minimum. I w- I shouldn't say bare minimum. Um, but you know, no additions to it. Yeah. Well then. Um, speaking of potentially spooky things, um, you've been playing some Ghostwire Tokyo. How's that going for you?
1: I I have, and I wanted to tell a little story about this game. Um, so I like it's on Game Pass. That's how I downloaded it. Um. Onto my Xbox and I downloaded it like ages ago. And it's sort of just been sitting on my hard drive for a while. Uh, but I downloaded it ages ago, pretty much like right after I signed up for Game Pass. So it's been months. Um, and I was like, ooh, I recognize this box art. I guess it's a thumbnail on the digital store. Uh I've heard this game is really, really good. I can't wait to play it. And then I started playing some other things, and then I was finally like. Okay, well, I've recently finished a different game. I'll start playing Ghostwire Tokyo. Incidentally, it was like literally Halloween night that I started playing it. So the opening section where you're in a hospital and fighting the enemies for the first time. Primo, um, primo time to do that. Um, the problem is... I got this game confused with something else. Yeah... When I started playing it, I was like, huh, this is very different than how I remember people talking about this game. Turns out I was thinking about Neon White. Like, I just saw the, like, Japanese white mask and was like, ah, yes, this must be the same video game. There's no way to check that and verify it for sure. I'm just going to take it on faith that my memory is reliable, which... Is something that I should stop doing, because it rarely is. But yeah, so after the discovery of, huh, this isn't a like really colorful speedrunning kind of game. I'm gonna I'm not gonna lie, this game is actually like really fun still. Uh I did read some reviews after I started playing it to be like, huh, why isn't this game like I thought it would be? I do agree with some of the reviews and that the combat is a little repetitive, but there's enough in the story and the setting to keep me going. So have you played this game at all? So the, the broad strokes of it is the protagonist is like on his way to the hospital because his sister is sick. And then suddenly a fog drifts into Tokyo and pretty much everybody just disappears. Like their bodies disappear, they get turned into souls and their souls start being collected by... They're called visitors. Um, They're just like faceless people in suits carrying umbrellas. Think like... A combination between, like, Slender Man and the silence from Doctor Who. Um, But yeah. But right before that happens, your, your protagonist gets into a traffic accident. And then he gets saved from the mist because someone else, who you later discover is some sort of paranormal investigator who stops paranormal threats from happening in Tokyo. Like, his soul is drifting around, and he's like, oh, I gotta find a body, gotta find a body. Ooh, this one recently died, I can use him. And so you get brought back to life with another soul inside of you, and you have, like, mystical powers you can use to fight visitors and stuff. And, yeah, the soul inside of you who has a longer name but it usually gets shortened to kk even in like dialogue and stuff he's like look bud i i need your help also if you don't help me i'm just gonna leave your body and you're gonna die again so you know fair enough sucks to be me i guess uh and then you start going through Tokyo, trying to find this guy with the, the like white oni kind of mask who is like collecting souls to do. Honestly, I can't remember. I know it was explained at some point. It's for some sort of ritual to either make himself more powerful or to like unleash a great evil onto the world. I've I've sort of gotten lost in the weeds of the main story. My favorite part is honestly the side quests in this game. Because you encounter like just loose souls of people who died recently, but haven't been collected yet for the ritual. And they will be talking about one of the last things they saw when they died before they died. And then you like go into your house, their house, and solve the problem that they had. And it usually involves someone else doing something awful to them, or some sort of yokai, Japanese spirits. And the little like vignettes of people's lives that you get in that, and you can, and they do some like really fun and creative things with level design inside those mini areas. Those are my favorite parts of the game. Um I will say it is how do I phrase this? It is a very modern video game, video game, in the sense that it takes a lot of inspiration from the Ubisoft open world model. Um you go to Oh no, what are they called? Tory Gates? And you cleanse the Tory Gate and that like reveals fog on the map. And that shows you little things, little side quests, collectibles, all that stuff. Uh, and there's a leveling system. There's no crafting. But there is like, cl- you, you do collect like food. Uh, that's actually an aspect of the game I really like is... A way that it sort of mitigates messing up in combat is food items heal you, but they also very slightly increase your maximum health. But you can't use them if your health is full, so you can't, like, carbo-load all the food you have in your inventory to bump up your max health. So every time after you get out of a fight and you've taken some damage, you'll eat, heal yourself, get a little more maximum health. I do like that as a mechanic. I mentioned earlier that I that I really like Monster of the Week, a tabletop RPG which is like a an urban fantasy setting like think Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Supernatural, that kind of thing. And this game is very much in that genre and I'm a real sucker for the genre. Like I have watched some absolute garbage TV shows just because they're urban fantasy and I wanted to try them. Uh, I think the worst ones I've watched were Lost Girl and Once Upon a Time. But yeah, like the the, the setting and the, the side quests are the things that are really motivating me to keep going. Because other than that, it's like, pretty standard fare. It's not as scary as I thought it would be based on like the opening half hour stretch in the hospital. There's some jump scares. That's about it. And like the the enemies are like kind of creepy, but there's not a lot of variety in them. So at a certain point you're like, "Ooh, it's a visitor with a red umbrella." which means he's stronger. Yippee. Ooh, this one's bigger. That means it has more health and does more damage. And there's, there's some... I, I'm generalizing a little bit here because there are, like, uh, enemies that have, like... They do, like, martial arts-style attacks and also have, like, ranged attacks that have like sort of a bullet hell element to them where you like they move very slowly but there's a lot of them so you sort of have to weave between the shots to get to them uh and they're like headless school children in terms of their visual design uh and then there's there's these one these ones that are like they they kind of look like Lady Dimitrescu in the sense that they've got like the long flowing dress and the really big hat, but instead of Lady Dimitrescu's like a really long fingers, they just have like cleavers that they sort of do a not nearly as dangerous um, waterfowl dance. I think it's called from millenia from Elden Ring, just swinging for the fences, spinning, rotating, jumping cleavers flying through the air like that kind of attack but it's you know actually dodgeable
0: yeah are they still tall
1: uh yes they are still tall but not as tall as lady dimitrescu like they don't have to duck to get through doorways (laughs) but yeah it's it is in many ways sort of the perfect game pass game where like, I probably wouldn't have bought this, but now that I've tried it through Game Pass, I'm kind of glad I did, because I am enjoying it. And that's, I think I mentioned this probably last episode when I was talking about um, Venba and A Short Hike, is like, Game Pass does lower the barrier to entry into certain video games a lot. Like, I've I've got a bunch of Yakuza games sitting on my hard drive as well, and there's a lot of Yakuza games, uh, and not spending, like, I mean, most of them are probably not $60 anymore, considering they've been out for a while, but having access to them through Game Pass just makes me a lot more likely to finally try them.
0: Yes, that's how I ended up. I think I mentioned before, that's how I ended up um, playing them and beating them.
1: Uh, ooh, fun fact uh, for Yakuza fans. Um, a couple weeks ago on All Elite Wrestling's Dynamite program, there was a match sponsored by uh, Like a Dragon. Uh, no, the, one, the, the, the sort of like prequel to that, Gaiden. Oh yes, okay. The one, yeah, in ancient Japanese times. It was a the the like a dragon Gaiden street fight, uh, and they had like a lot of like decorations that made it look like a you know a Japanese street, and so they threw things at each other air and Kota Bushi got on a bicycle, um and grabbed a pipe and hit someone with it while riding the bicycle. Kotobushi is an absolute madman, but in like the best way possible. you got you got if you like you, you gotta
0: have someone throwing a bike.
1: <laughs> but yeah, um I I think I would recommend Ghostwire Tokyo. Just like if you're looking for a horror game, look elsewhere. There's some like mildly creepy moments and and the animations on the enemies can be a little unsettling, but because there's so little variety in the, in the enemies, that sort of wears off pretty quickly and it sort of just becomes like more of a stealth game than a horror game. Yeah. So I don't really, it's fun, but it's not like changing my life or anything.
0: Perfect Game Pass
1: game. So, generally we we each talk about two games and boy, Mario fans are eating well right now. Uh, We had Super Mario Wonder a couple weeks ago and very recently the Super Mario RPG remake came out and you have been playing that and, like Super Mario Wonder last episode, have already finished it. Is that correct?
0: That is, you are spot on. That is absolutely correct. Uh, yeah, I've actually, because I don't know, I don't remember, was it last time when I did Mario Wonder, I beat that that night when we did the podcast?
1: Yeah, it was yeah. like, we, we we covered it last week, last week, last episode, yep. and it had only been out for like three days and you'd already like beaten the whole thing.
0: Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Well, yeah I'd be, i I'd been... Yeah, that's right. I got into the credits, um, but then it's obviously with Mario games, it's sort of a um, lot more into them than that, so you continue on. Um, and so yeah, similar thing with this, basically, um, yeah, I've played um, Super Mario RPG, the one that came out for the Switch and yeah, beaten it today. Um, this is sort of my first proper time that I've actually played the actual game like it's always been on the super nintendo i live in australia so it never actually came out over here um so it, the first official release over here was on uh the wii virtual console rest in peace um and then uh obviously it came out on wii u and it, it was it was one of the ones that came out on the um got on the super nintendo mini uh Hmm. You remember that? Remember mini consoles? Remember them?
1: Like there were like three of them, right? There was the Super Nintendo, and there were two Genesis's?
0: Well, there was the original. Yeah, there was original NES one.
1: Uh, Yeah, the NES one as well. Yep.
0: Um, and then it was, yeah, it was yeah this. it, It basically it was the the NES one that sort of like. Made it really popular because, like, they always had like mini consoles. Like, they had Genesis ones. Um, you've always had those, but they've sort of been a bit ordinary. Um, but the, um, it was a Nintendo one. It was just like good collection of games, limited supply. People really wanted them in Christmas time. And that's sort of like, every other one, you know, basically Atari made one, Sega ended up doing good ones, um, PlayStation. Had a bit of a question PS one. Yeah, that was a questionable one. Um, like you didn't have like, you had like basically like yeah, Final Fantasy seven, uh, Metal Gear Solid, but it's like Grand Theft Auto two, um, Siphon Filter, some other weird ones, um, Rayman. But you didn't have stuff like you know Crash Bandicoot or Spyro. Well,
1: yeah, those were getting either recently had or were about to get like remake collections by Toys for Bob. So you can't cut into that market share at all.
0: Exactly. And yeah, and go, yeah. with that going back to this. Um, yeah. So this is um, this, as I said, this is the first time I've actually properly played it. Um, Cause it was always, yeah. You know, I'd always started off and then I think I would get to um, before I ended up getting to the third, getting the third character Gino, which is sort of everyone's favorite. Character from that game. You know, everyone wanted that in, in Smash and was disappointed when they weren't in Smash Brothers.
1: Gino is the one with the blue hat, right? The yeah. sort of wizard looking one.
0: That's right. Because you've got, um, in this game, you've got Mario, you got Peach and Bowser. And you've also got Mallow, which is sort of, they say it's a frog. Um, spoiler left for, you know, a, um, for a nearly 30 year old game. Um, they are not a frog, they're a cloud. And then you got Geno, a um, sort of uh, a toy that comes to life. Mm. Um, so the idea is that, it's that with this game, you start off as Mario trying to save Pe- Princess Peach, uh, defeating Bowser, and then a great big sword ended up getting knocked into Bowser's kingdom from a um, supernatural being called Smithy. Um, and you start off your, be- start off your adventure. Um, this is... I didn't realize that until I've actually beaten it today. Uh very much a no, fr- basically a uh, baby's first RPG. I, I, you can actually play this. This has actually got an easier setting that you can set on. Um, I actually did the standard setting. Uh, so normal difficulty. Uh, but this is very much uh, if you want to it was originally if you back in the day yeah, if you're trying to get into the final fantasy dragon quest sort of games uh this was the easiest this is sort of like a gateway into it uh, because one thing of-
1: i am curious about in that regard is this game did sort of start the mario rpg thing of like you press the button when you're about to hit to do more damage and stuff mm-hmm. right Yep. Like that is different from Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest?
0: Yes. Because the fact that you're with those games, it's sort of you just go ahead and attack and sort of let like fate sort it of out. Whereas with this game, it's sort of um, like if you've got a, um, you start off with Mario, if you've got you got a punch attack. And so the way this remake actually works is that when you actually go ahead and like you, you start off the attack and then when you go ahead and about to attack him, uh, it'll have a like, little exclamation point indicator. To say, okay, this is when you press it, and then once you press it, that'll sort of um, it'll it'll do two things. In the original game, it'll just like give it like an actual like a couple more attacks, just so you can get more um, damage done. And in this remake, if you actually get it really tight, um, it actually um, spills over into other characters. So, so sort of like an area of effect attack, effectively. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So this is a new thing that's actually started off within the game um, with this remake. And with that, what this game does is that it'll it'll have that exclamation point, but then once you start getting used to it, it'll stop it. So it's like, okay, it, it knows you, okay, you understand where that, when you're supposed to attack, okay, now you basically take off the training wheels. But if you end up flubbing it uh, a few times, it'll actually reintroduce that exclamation point just to say, okay, this is where you're supposed to, basically, okay, you, you mucked it up a few times, this is how you, you're supposed to do it. So it's sort of, it doesn't, go away, it sort of lets you know if you if you do it really well, it trusts you, but then if you sort of flub it up, it shows you it again. Uh that also works uh with the defensive side. Um so if you can um with this game you sort of uh if you do it at the timing right you can actually negate the attack. It's not a sort of leak, you know you don't actually just get a reduced attack. You actually negate it. Nice. Uh, yeah. Uh, and um, a new mechanic with the actual uh remake is you've got a um, you sort of got a meter that goes up to hundred percent, and what that does, initially um, initially when it gets to hundred percent, um, when you haven't got the three character three characters on screen, it'll have like a toe that does like a random like, like question block, so you know mushroom or flower, um, uh, how those items work in the game, uh, like like mushrooms are like your health are. Flowers actually like your um so your ma- your manner yeah um uh, but then once you actually start getting like when you actually get three characters you can do a triple attack so you'll um like you can get like um Mario Mallow and Gino they do like a one focused um they do one focused single attack on a character but then if you have like uh, Mario Gino and Bowser it's sort of a lower attack, but it's sort of an area of effect attack. And you can get different combinations depending on who you've actually got in your party. You always have to have um, Mario in your party, but you can change up the other two characters. Um, which is cool. It's just a sort of a new addition they had. Um, another new addition, which they had to make it sort of a bit more, put a bit more edge is that every so often you'll get a um, a souped up, Enemy that you fight within your regular enemies—they just te- they're tougher to take down and they attack more. Uh, but they end up um, giving you a special, what's called a frog coin, which is sort of a special currency you use on a certain place to get unique items. Um, so they introduced that because I, in I believe in the original game you could get these frog coins you know, sort of here and there within the within the world, like in secret treasure chests. But in this game, this remake, you actually you can actually earn them. Uh, by just going around and you know finding enemies. And that's one thing I did find with that. It's sort of once you get into the, you can get into a ribbon with it. Because you, you always find where RPGs is sort of like, okay, you like here. If I'm going from here to there, you know, I've got this big long space. You know, I've got to attack all these enemies. Yeah, you know, I'm sort of whittling down my health and then using like my mana to increase my health back up. And sort of like continually going down, like you're sort of leveling up, trying to grind. Um, but sort of you know, having to use of resources, but we you, you can sort of get into a grind, like in a, into a sort of like a, a focus on this game. where sort of like you can make sure you you're doing the right attacks, like you, you you're hitting it at the right time, and you can sort of like getting the most powerful attacks and defending and defending yourself. Um, so yeah, that's that's um, I really do like those those, those additions. Um, I wasn't really a fan. People go on, you know, there were like the because this the original Super Nintendo visuals, uh, you know, sort of mimic, um, you know, Donkey Kong Country with the sort of 3D, you know, 3D CG style. Um, but it was sort of, a, I, I felt like a bit more like obviously, Donkey Kong Country that it was sort of a bit plastic, but it's sort of like it's had like a really good fl- flow of movement. Whereas, yeah, I didn't really feel that with the original, um, mario rpg but this remake you know it's sort of um, uh, it tries to be that whole sort of you know chibi 3d style and i felt it felt worked really well you can get some um you know some absolutely stunning visuals used with the lighting um the color depth um sort of the animations the they do like it still has like the whole basic animation you're running around and sort of like when a character's telling the story they you know, they're just moving their hands up and down. You know, running around quickly in the spot, and then like sort of like changing to other characters to tell a story. They still have that; that hasn't really changed. Uh, they do introduce um, some CG movie movies. Like if you are uh, certain char- like you, you can notice it with the video quality. Like we're actually doing the special attacks with the triple attack. It'll be it'll be like a whole um, CG movie. Uh, looks really good, um, but yeah, it's a CG, CG movie. Uh yeah, sound design really good. Really like the, really like the um how they d- redid the songs. Although you can select the original um the original soundtrack, which is good. Uh, I did. Can you that also Im-
1: select original visuals? No,
0: no. You still you you yeah. You still have to have those visuals. I I would imagine that'd be a bit too much to actually put in. I would think. Yeah. Um. But no, I um yeah. I'm glad I did. it. It's very. Yeah, very short. Like, I would probably say about 11 hours. Like, I know, yeah, like, I know, like, I know RPGs are these big, epic things that go on, but I would sort of, like, sort of a shorter RPG, sort of like somewhere like the like 30 hours, maybe, or something, Uh, maybe lower, but I just, like, 11, I, I, I'm not complaining, like, money well spent, I think it's a top, top, top game. Uh, but just, yeah, just really just like, oh, okay, that's, um yeah, I didn't really, I only, do, only <coughs> died a, a couple of times throughout the whole thing.
1: If I may make a recommendation, if you're looking for like a, not like 80 hour RPG, but like longer than Super Mario RPG, have you ever played Sea of Stars?
0: No, but I've heard, I've heard whispers of it.
1: It came out earlier this year. It's on Game Pass as well. That's how I played it. Um, Rosalie and I discussed it pretty at length on Focus, And that game's really good. And it takes a lot of design sensibilities that were sort of started with Super Mario RPG in the sense that like you collect characters over the course of the, the game and you can swap them out um, because th- there are only three slots in your party, but you can have, I think, up to s- between five and six, like in the wings. One thing that is cool about that game is that you can switch them like during combat. Uh, but yeah, it also does the like timed button press combat thing, and like the original Super Mario RPG, it also has phenomenally gorgeous like pixel art but yeah if if i I guess what sort of where i'm going with this is obviously it's good that this game is accessible to more people but in this day and age where that kind of game can be made by studios with lower budgets than nintendo's do you think it's still like relevant? Mario like Ar- this specific game? Mario RPG. Mario RPG?
0: Look, honestly, yes, like uh, I would say I enjoy I would probably enjoy the Paper Mario series more. I think they did was discussed before. they definitely did evolve um greatly. I, I was, you were saying before you basically are uh, yeah with the new, newer console generations uh they were had a bit more time to be able to get into what it was actually is, uh, it's still it is a it is a pillar. I would say you know it is um, it, if it wasn't going to be remade, it was definitely going to be. <coughs> excuse me, it was going to be part of the um, the uh, Nintendo Switch Online.
1: Yeah, like um, Super Mario, like Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga. Exactly. And here's hoping
0: those um the DS ones come on to Switch Online or they get remade.
1: I, I would love that. I actually, I talked about this on Enfo- on, on focus months ago, but I played the like 3DS remake of Superstar Saga a while back. And I'd love to see like full on. It, it'll be hard to do like Bowser's Inside Story and the ones that were on the DS and 3DS because they did take a lot of, realist like design real estate for the dual screen system and replicating that on switch might be a little tricky uh but i mean they did it for etrian odyssey um they managed to get that series onto switch so it's probably not impossible but is this like a I've always wanted to try RPGs kind of game. Yes. Is this like a, I am a fan of RPG. Like if like, I'm a big fan of RPGs. I finished blue dragon literally last night. Um, And do you think someone who is a lot more experienced with the genre would still get a lot out of this game?
0: It'd definitely be like, no, if, if it, they would have to play the original... <coughs> me, if, they're, if they're really big into RPGs and they haven't played Mario to Mario RPG, I honestly don't think they'd be... It'd be a novelty to them. It is effectively, for me, it was that game that always... I'd always known about. I'd always started off playing, but just sort of dropped off. Um, but I'm glad I actually ended up getting on Switch and beating it on Switch. Um, but then... I don't know for for basically new people who want to get into RPGs I dare say it maybe be a um, it might because I always always thought like something like the original Super Nintendo EarthBound was a good one to get into RPGs just because of the way it handles the controls uh, you know enemies you can see on screen it wasn't um, it wasn't really too complex if that if that makes sense? Um, to, get in, to get into it, it's sort of like it's. You, it was a bit easier to get into. It's still like, it still, it was still meaty. Um, but like Sumai RPG sort of like doesn't get that complex. It like strips down the complexity even more. I feel. Hmm. But we definitely, yeah. If you've, um, it basically it would be it would be it would, it would only be trouble to recommend to someone who has really experienced into rpgs but for some reason has never played and finished the original super mario rpg but if you want if you want to play a um, rpg in the mario universe the paper mario series like especially the thousand year door when that comes out next year that's going to be a one to get
1: yeah that's that's i think the big one that i've always sort of heard like is really really good and i think we talked about this on Focus as well like a GameCube copy of Thousand Year Door was like approaching the price of an entire Nintendo switch on the secondhand market. And now that the re- remake is coming out, like what is it like February of next year? Like really early.
0: Oh, Oh
1: um, wow. I, I, if I'm not misremembering again, see my previous statements with regards to my memory and its reliability. Um, but I, I'm pretty sure it's coming out pretty early in the year next year, and that is one I've really had my eye on. Nice.
0: Alright, well speaking of um games that maybe somewhat got some RPG elements, you've been playing some Borderlands 3.
1: I have. I finished Borderlands 3, in fact. I didn't like do any of the DLCs yet, but I finished the main story. A couple of days ago and I wanted to talk about it because borderlands 2 is probably the steam game that I've spent the most hours playing like I've done I haven't played the game as every character but I've done like two complete co-op playthroughs and when I played borderlands 2 I would do all of the side quests and try to get a bunch of the challenges as well so i have hundreds and hundreds of hours in borderlands 2 and borderlands 3 was on sale on the xbox store recently i got the like ultimate edition with all of the bells and whistles for like 17 bucks uh it was great and you've played borderlands 3 as well you've played literally like the base game on xbox as well that's right? right. Yep. So, I think, like in terms of comparing it to Borderlands Two, I think the story is weaker, but not by much. Like it, it's it's kind of hard to beat Handsome Jack as a villain, but Tyreen and Troy Calypso, I do like. The way they're portrayed, I do like their motivations. Honestly, Tyreen, I find much more compelling. But also that's because she just gets a lot more screen time. Like, Troy doesn't have nearly as much to say. Um, the sort of, the, the, the biggest thing that, that really, really attracted me to Borderlands 3 was a bunch of ways that the gameplay was tweaked because they they added a bunch of, like, interesting things you can do with the different gun manufacturers. Uh, they made Dahl weapons a lot better because Dahl, it always felt really bad to, like, it's full... The The thing it was, I think it was... Semi-automatic normally and burst fire when you're zoomed in. But doll weapons in this game, you can literally switch between two firing modes by pressing down on the D-pad. And I played as Moe's, the gunner. um, And I used a lot of doll weapons, actually, because while she's best suited for Vladoff because of their high fire rates and magazine sizes... Doll had a bunch of automatic weapons that dealt more damage per shot, which attracted me a lot to them. Uh, yeah, and there's a bunch of cool little gameplay innovations like that, that that kept surprising me, like how Malawan had weapons that you can switch between different damage types. So sometimes, like, Malawan are the weapons I use the least just because I didn't like the fact that you had to charge them up every time. But the fact that you had the um, ability to be as flexible as you wanted with, like, okay, I have this, like, corrosive SMG I can use to take out armor. And when the armor's broken, I'll switch it to incendiary damage and deal more damage to their normal health. Don't, Don't even need to switch weapons. Uh... I also liked a bunch, I think their Vladov had like grenade launchers and shotguns as secondary fire mode. Having a sniper rifle that you can switch into a shotgun was hilarious. Um. Yeah, so there were little gameplay innovations like that. tDor has like weapon shields, like when you're... Aiming down sights of the weapon, it'll project a little shield that will give you even more protection because it'll absorb the damage before your normal shield. Uh, I never really used COV weapons that often, partially because I misinterpreted the way they worked. Uh, because they replace Bandit, and you never reload them. You just fire until they either overheat or break. I thought break meant they break for good and you can never use them again. <laughs> and I was like, why would anyone ever want to do that? But it turns out breaking is just your character needs to do like some quick repairs on them and then they can use them again. It's, it's essentially reloading, but it takes longer, but you have to do it less frequently. Fair enough. But I think the thing I like the most about this game is... It is honestly still the story. Like it it's weaker than the one in Borderlands two, but I still really, really liked it. What what did you think of the story?
0: Um I thought it was alright. As obviously as you say, you can't really go past um Hampton Jack. Um that was a obviously a big part, part of the story. Um didn't really get too much into it. I mean sort of the It's sort of like it, it was aware of the fact that, you know, the Borderlands two was probably, sort of, probably the biggest honestly probably the biggest story uh the one sort of everyone mostly got into because like borderlands one is sort of um probably more basic I would say I would say um I think it's sort of it could never be like that. And, and with the calypso twins um uh, that was sort of that was sort of fine uh I do remember I, I do remember like going into like the because you end up going to like the the outer the the ship in space San, uh, sanctuary is, yeah sanctuary yeah and um just <laughs> you you've got all the you got all the dlc with that i've actually just recently got it again cuz i got the base version on the xbox and i've actually got the actual uh, ultimate edition on steam deck so i've actually got that i'm going to play that again um with the actual dlc but with the with xbox one it's like there's still sections there so it's just like oh you can't play this cuz you don't have the dlc it's like oh Like, everywhere around around Sanctuary. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, you'll just get into sections, you are say, oh, you know, this is DLC, this is DLC. It's like, oh, really?
1: I, I guess, you know, I've had the DLC from the start, so I didn't notice that. Although, there was, like, one thing that, going from, like, the fast travel point on Sanctuary to the bridge where you meet, like, Lilith and stuff... Frequently, you'd run past like a poster, and I heard the voice lines from Accident Salvador of like, Hey, Vault Hunter, we got something new for you that we think you're gonna enjoy. And then Salvador says, It's gonna be great. I heard that so many times. It is very funny that, like, seeing the development of the characters between two and three, that, like, you know, Lilith has even more become basically the leader of the Crimson Raiders, um, that they've done a lot to honor Roland. Uh, Brick and Mordecai are still working together as a pair. Tiny Tina has joined them and they're working as a trio. And then Salvador and Axton retired and became podcasters.
0: <laughs> I remember just uh, Yeah. Uh, I think it was the first time I played Borderlands 2. I played as Zero.
1: Zero's really fun. Yes. Um, I I, I've so- played two as Axton, Salvador, and Zero. Yeah. I yet? never played Maya. Or Krieg. I never played Krieg. And I think there was another one in there as well that I also never played. Did you ever play the pre-sequel? Yes. Yes, I did. How did did you, as a fellow Australian, um, Uh, like the extremely blatant, like, stereotypes...
0: You can. It was. It was easy to take them the stereotypes because I believe they actually had Australian uh, voice actors doing them.
1: They did, yeah, and it, it was straight up developed in Australia as well. That's it. But you do have to like dumb it down a bit for the um, the casual audience, shall we say? You do.
0: You do. You do. But the sort of you, you did get sort of the humor. It. it was you just. It was just that it was not some sort of. A, it was not like an American just doing. You know. You an Aussie accent.
1: Yeah. Um. I'm from Perth.
0: <laughs> I want have a shrimp on the barbie. We call them prawns. I,
1: I, I think the worst offender when it comes to Australian stereotypes is Ty the Tasmanian tiger. Okay, I haven't heard them. Oh uh Oh no
0: sorry sorry, sorry uh, 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 the Tasmanian tiger the looney tunes one No
1: No it's a video game series oh, where you that, play as
0: a the, the guy with the boomerangs Yeah no 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 what you are talking about yeah Uh
1: oh you ripper uh. Struth Stein the cry Anyway Uh, back to borderlands Um, Borderlands. i honestly i think pre-sequel is my favorite borderlands game Hmm. like borderlands 2 is very cool and the story is very good but especially on repeated playthroughs it does get a bit long oh it's it seems like um
0: yeah borderland pre-sequel sort of could have been probably its own dlc both dlc on borderlands 2 but um, I'm glad they made it like it, its own game. So sort of, sort of, a, yeah, much more shorter to the point game.
1: And I think pre-sequel is also the funniest one. Like Borderlands 2 has a lot of jokes that were funny the first time, but I did, didn't really elicit much of a response on repeated playthroughs. But pre-sequel, I've done like one solo playthrough, one co-op playthrough that went into like true vault hunter mode as well. So technically three playthroughs and I started another co-op playthrough with someone else. And that game is still funny. But I I think the biggest problem that borderlands three had a, I didn't laugh at most of the jokes and B it was too chatty. Like borderlands games have always been a little chatty In the sense that, like, there's people on your comms while you're doing quests and stuff. But in three, the thing that bothered me most, especially early on, was like I would be actively fighting enemies that I had to for a side quest. And then someone would just show up on comms complaining that I haven't finished their side quest yet while I'm actively in the middle of doing their side quest. And it was a little distracting. Vaughn is a big offender in that regard. Claptrap, of course. Um, but there there are a couple others where I'm like, yeah, I I know, I'm busy. I'm I'm literally doing the thing. Stop talking. I am shooting so many people. And I I know you want your coffee. There was that one quest about coffee on Eden 6 that I quite liked, but just like, I know. You're, you can't wait to get your caffeine fix. You're in a war. You haven't had it in a while. I respect that. I am being shot at by Malawan mechs. This may not be the best time. <laughs> Borderlands 3 also felt like, like, again, maybe it's because I've played Borderlands 2 so many times, but 3 felt like it was a little shorter as well. Um, but I really liked the, the variety in areas. Like you go to different planets, uh, like the swamp. uh, I actually, I think Eden six is the, the, the Jacob's planet. Um, of course you go to Pandora. That's where you start. Uh, Athenas is where Maya went to after the events of Borderlands 2. And then there's the one with where you fight against Malawan and you're helping out at the Atlas Corporation that I forget the name of. But I really like that that it allowed them to not only change up the visual design of a lot of the levels, but also have a lot more enemy variety. Because every planet has its own indigenous wildlife. Not everyone has skags uh so the on the jacob's planet there were those monkeys the the kind of monkey things there were straight up dinosaurs i guess they're saurians technically but like they were dinosaurs come on and i i like that it made the fights feel a lot more have a lot more variety um so and also there is a difference between the bandits that are now part of the children of the vault and how you approach them. And like Maloan troops, because they have access to technology. So there's ones that have like short range teleports. Uh, there's ones with like jump packs and that made for a lot more interesting fights. So in that regard, like, the gameplay was carrying Borderlands 3 a lot more than it was in Borderlands 2, but Borderlands 2 had a stronger story to carry it through. I haven't touched any of the DLCs. I played one of the Krieg ones ones a little bit, I, I have to say, uh, and then I got to a fight that I died at like four times and was like, come back to this later. But Borderlands 3 is. It's very good. And I'm kind of surprised at how much I enjoyed it, considering when it came out, the reviews weren't that positive. They were like, you know, it's good, but it's not special. And it isn't, to be clear, but it's a lot better than I was expecting. I wonder how that uh, Borderlands movie is going to turn out. Hard to say. Eli Roth has uh, had some stinkers in his filmography. Cast's pretty good. I'm genuinely surprised it did actually get made, because I know that they've, they've been like threatening us with a Borderlands movie for ages, and. We recently got, like, a trailer or something, right? Or just, like, cast announcements, finally?
0: I think so, yeah.
1: Maybe this will be the one to break the curse of video game movies being not very good. Uh, Probably not, though.
0: No, I mean, I quite enjoyed the Mario movie.
1: I haven't seen it, I confess.
0: Oh. I would. Re- I would
1: recommend that one. I My favorite video game movie is Mortal Kombat, like the yeah. new one. Oh, okay, yeah. That one was like everything you want from a Mortal Kombat movie, which is really stupid lore, uh, really good fight scenes, uh, and some absolutely wild gore effects and kills that's all you need it's it's a perfect mortal Kombat movie i tell
0: you what perfect casting with kano in that movie josh Law- lawson
1: yeah oh i love kano yeah. uh here's a hot tip uh for those of you who um listened to end focus you will have already heard me say this but don't waste your time with monster hunter the Paul W.S. Anderson Monster Hunter movie. Oh, uh, yes. Like, the Monster Hunter parts of it were all, like, super accurate. Mm. You know, the Diablos looks and sounds like a Diablos, and it behaves like a Diablos. Mm. The, the Dual Blades look like s- Dual Blades straight out of the video game. Mm. There's, like, the Muscular Chef looks like the Muscular Chef in Monster Hunter World. <laughs> but the movie sucks. <laughs> Like, it sucks, (laughs) which is unfortunate because, like, I like Monster Hunter and I like bad movies, but this one was bad enough that it wasn't even fun. Like, there were large stretches of it that were just very boring. So that's unfortunate. But hey, uh, maybe that Legend of Zelda movie that Nintendo recently announced will be good. Yeah, probably not though. Yeah,
0: <laughs> one's being developed. Is it being developed by Sony Pictures? Yes, there you go. It'll be yeah, Nintendo Zelda movie out on the PlayStation Store. <laughs>
1: I can't wait for the like Sony working relationship to end and then have a completely rejiggered version co-produced by phillips for some reason (laughs) ah cdi jokes uh yes but yeah uh to to finish my thoughts on borderlands 3 it's if if you've never played any of the borderlands games uh this is a bad place to start because at this point enough has happened in the borderlands games that you will kind of be lost on like character motivations like you you'll probably not really realize why they like roland so much um but if if you if you're like me and really wanted to like destiny but didn't like the fact that it was an mmo uh the the Borderlands series it's hard to go wrong with them and the lore is less inscrutable than the ones the one for Destiny is. Wow. I have rarely heard as many capitalized proper nouns as when I played Destiny 2. <laughs> but yeah, Borderlands 3, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I do plan on playing the DLCs.
0: Alright. Well, that's it for this episode of Game Podular Unfocused. I have been your host, Scott. Thank you, Hilke, for joining me.
1: Thank you for having me. It was great to be here, as always. Fantastic.
0: All right, I will catch up with all you lot next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Game Podular Unfocused podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us get noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, Spotify and other podcast services. Make sure to check out our other show and focus. Be sure to join our Discord server to interact with the lively GamePodular community. Follow us on Twitter, YouTube and at GamePodular for updates, news and other content. Links are in the show notes. If you'd like to support our shows, you can buy us a coffee or become a GamePodular Patreon. The links for both are on our website. Thanks. This episode was edited by me, and you can follow me on Twitter at TheScottyJMan. You can also follow Hilka on Twitter at Gear12 underscore Turbo. Thanks for listening.